This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Ajit. With me to discuss the very nice test series that has been going on in the recent days, we have a returning guest to the show, Leah. Hello, Leah. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. So it's been a while. How has uh, life been treating you in all these couple of months that we've not uh, spoken? Pretty okay, generally. Pretty okay. things are moving moving forward so that's nice <laughs> mm-hmm. all right and uh, well do you still follow the game as passionately as you always do well i see your tweets but outside of that do you still follow, watch them online and other things yes of course as uh, as best as i can here in here in germany um so it's mostly over the radio um and online commentary and stuff like that because it's not televised in germany right but i do still follow it of course okay in that case let's dive in right away and uh, the first test that i would like to discuss is the awesome uh, india south africa test that just finished today did you get to see yes. the ending um i didn't it did not get to see uh, the end because um we had uh, some internet troubles and um it cut out and my commentary was on the fritz but uh, i followed most of the day and um yeah i was afraid uh it might end like the second one with the uh, south africa chasing really really well and they did i think if you were to look at the series and you know this game as well it was basically a failure from the indian top order i mean the bowling was good the bowling yes. did its bit always uh but you know on a pitch that was fairly true it must be said it had true bounce going into the fourth day there were no major weather based interruptions which you could blame the pitch condition on or anything nothing and on this pitch probably 250 was still chaseable even in the fourth innings right it played true till the very end and i think the indian batters i think they should look at it a bit more deeply about the number of runs they made on such a pitch 420 runs 422 runs is not enough you probably need something like 600 to you know feel comfortable to win the game so when you look at it the indian openers they started the series with a bang the thing that won them the series or the first game sorry was that amazing partnership the first day of the series where mayank agarwal and uh, kl rahul kl rahul batted so well that they were yes. able to first of all repel south africa for the best part of 45 overs on the first morning and then both of them compiled big scores and kl rahul went on to make 129 the biggest uh, score of uh, his in the series but then when you go look at it he did not make any big contribution after that neither did mayank agarwal so then going down to number 3 you have cheteshwar pujara who again had an up and down series maybe only one really big score of note maybe two the if you consider the in the third test so when you look at it mm. there again i think and uh, how much do you think uh, india missed kohli in the second test a lot i think 
a lot. Um, mm. Even even if he wouldn't have made a big score um, in the in the third test, he showed even if he doesn't score that big in the second innings, at least he stays in, and and he 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 blunts the attack, and that is invaluable against Rabada and, and Gidi. You need someone like that. So I think they missed him a lot in the second test. You know, we were all going gaga on how well um, Rahane and Pujara played in that third innings of that second test. And 240 was going to be, I don't know, 40, 50 runs too many. But in the end, you know, that little bit of rain on the fourth day sort of settled the pitch down. And even though the pitch was under the covers, clearly it settled down a little. But, you know, frankly speaking, again, there were no demons in that pitch either. There was a little bit of up and down bounce in the second test. And South African batters, like led by their skipper, amazing. So his 97 was probably, uh, you know, 150 elsewhere. And in such a tense chase, I read a article where the Indian pacers or the Indian bowlers had induced 62, let's say, false shots in that innings. Yes. But yes, South I Africa too. Right. But South Africa played through that and they won the game. So they were deserved victors. You know, when you are able to in theory, get 60 chances at taking 10 wickets, right? And yep. somehow the opposition goes through it and gives you two or three wickets. They they deserve to win the game. And that's how it transpired. Right, right. I, I, I read the same thing um, about India inducing about the same number of false shots um, mm -hmm. and just not getting the wicket. So mm -hmm. there may be a bit of bad luck, but... Well played, South Africa, I think. But I think it's not all bad. Uh, it's the first time India won at Supersport Park, I think. So that's huh? a positive takeaway from the series. Yes. You, you know, another air quotes, Bastion fell, right? Yeah. But <laughs> come on, I mean, you can tick it off as these nice, uh, you know, points to have. But yeah. the tour... The, the whole goal of this tour, at least for the Indian test team, was to give themselves a chance of winning the series. I think the way they batted in the third innings on both the tests really sunk the series for them. Because um, somehow you don't do enough, but your bowlers keep you in the game. This is the pattern the last two tests followed. You, you bat first, you don't put enough runs on the board, but your bowlers still keep you in the game. You don't do enough and you still sort of end up short 40-50 runs shot comfortably in both the innings? Or do you think they would have required more? I think it's a, it's a, bit, it's a bit like England. And we'll, I guess we'll talk about that later. Uh, but it, it's basically what England have been doing this year. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a problem. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, the problem is not the bowling. Um, there is depth there, and um, the problem is the batting. Okay. But look, when you look at... I really think so. No, I agree with you. But um, okay, let's go one step back. Okay. If you were to f do anything different, let's say starting the third test for India, mm -hmm. at least with the batting, do you think there were any changes that were probably uh, required in that batting order? I think it's uh, it, it's a difficult a difficult decision either way. Um, 
can you can you uh, justify sticking with Rahane? Absolutely. Um, he has not been in good form lately. Absolutely not. Um, but do you do you replace him with uh, someone like Vihari? I don't know. I think it's a 50-50. And they made a call and it didn't work out. But that's basically the one thing they could have done. Um, who captained who captained South uh, captained India A in the in the uh, unofficial test series? Maybe you could have brought in um, Priyank. Is that right? Priyank Panchal, yeah, the opener. Panchal, yes, yes, Priyank, Priyank Panchal. You. Mm -hmm. An argument could be made for him to play the third test, but other than that, I think they made a they made a decision, an informed decision, and it didn't work out, and it was not not really a bad decision. Indeed, I mean that was what I was driving towards. Replacing Vihari with Kohli is a harsh decision on the batter because I think he did a wonderful job in the second innings in the second test, but yeah. Unfortunately, the skipper, the more experienced uh, batter in the form of Kohli, had to come back. So that's the only change that they envisioned and they really took care of that. But then it's just a fault of the batters who are already in the 11, who are, let's say, talented enough, have the record, but they couldn't really deliver. So there comes the question, could they have gone ahead with maybe having a full batter in the place of Ashwin? They didn't use him that much. So exactly. probably yes. Probably yes. I <clears throat> and I I I don't I don't understand why Kohli doesn't use Ashwin more. Give him I don't know, two or three overs before every interval. Just do it. If the ball is new, doesn't matter. We have seen him use the new ball in Australia. And <clears throat> even if he didn't take a wicket, he put pressure. Correct. Just do it. No, indeed. Look, he was probably underutilized simply with the conditions in mind. But, you know, you have to think beyond Ashwin as just like a spinner in the team. This guy is a very clever operator. He has... Wickets in all formats of the game, as well as, I wouldn't say he's succeeded everywhere, but he's done well enough everywhere. Even on bouncy pitches in Australia, he did well, right? So exactly. Maybe he could have been used a bit more as a holding bowler. Um, you somehow thought, you know, Shardul Thakur is a slightly costly bowler, but he always makes things happen. So you would not replace Shardul when you're playing abroad, probably. He also gives you that little bit of balance, although... Shardul did not deliver much with the bat this series. And sadly, it, it, it can't happen. I know you're a big fan, right, of Shardul? Yeah, our Lord and Savior. Right. But the problem <laughs> is, but the problem is, I don't expect him to deliver every tour because at least sometimes in England, he got to bat in the sun where the pitch was docile enough, but he applied himself really well. So if this Guy can stay at the crease for even five to eight overs, right? He will give you that 20-30 run cushion. That will make a difference, right? So that was always what was required. But unfortunately, he couldn't make that happen. And look, 
the credit where credit is due the south african bowling was fantastic throughout the series if anything their ba- batters stood up made sure they they did what was required in the last two tests and that won them the game otherwise the bowling was exemplary the bowling from both sides was exemplary but south african bowling was that much better or maybe you have different thoughts no it's it's true it's true it's well it's it's the old discussion isn't it about um home advantage in cricket in test cricket especially um where where the pitches are not flat odi wickets um where where the bowlers are used to the conditions more so than the visiting visiting side most of the time so yeah maybe it's it's the experience um the the wisdom the knowledge mm-hmm. uh of the conditions when you know as good as the bowling attack was the south african bowling quartet sort of complemented itself really well not that they used kesha maharaj that much better in this case probably the lens with the indian indian bowlers chose to operate was the difference right uh, because when you yeah. see there were a couple of referrals that that were narrowly turned down because of the height yes so i dare say on those pitches the indian fast bowlers may have not hit the right lens at all times because either the ball was a full enough where you know you saw this time and time again especially when peterson was batting he was waiting on the slightly full ball that was coming in straight you know it was not on the fourth and the fifth stump he used to work yep. it through mid wicket mid on get those runs right and he used yeah. to just wait so that's where i give the south african batters a lot of credit they pounced on that fuller length the length that's supposed to give both the batsman and the bowler a chance because it's going to otherwise if you miss you are probably lbw bowled and then if you hit it you get runs through the off or the leg right so that's where yeah. the indian bowling was that much slightly fuller whereas look some of those balls that uh, rabada and uh, yansen bowled were literally unplayable at least at the beginning of day 3 the way pujara and rahane were uh, you know literally just dismissed yes this brings up an interesting point um this was the first test in which one team took all 20 wickets caught yes all 20 yes, wickets I, i read the this. first time it was the first time ever <laughs> Mm-hmm. and and i think there's there's one of the differences between the bowling attacks um the indian plan seemed to be to attack the stumps and you don't get caught that often of balls attacking the stumps mm-hmm. i think i think that's that might have been a problem uh, probably as the oldest adage in cricket goes you miss i hit it it more or less works it keeps you honest right so in cricket at least in the longer formats the more balls you can let go the better because eventually you are going to score because the bowler is going to tire even in a 4 to 5 over spell or even a 6 over spell eventually the bowler will start giving you balls that you're going to get score off and you'll take 10 runs of a 6 over spell of a bowler in such conditions right i would say kohli was the only one who really showed that application where in that morning session he scored 14 runs that's unheard of yes. for a person with as many attacking strokes as kohli but he did that right yes. i mean he 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 has done this against anderson and co when he was playing in england where he just was happy to keep getting beaten i mean not take it on his ego that something had to happen there right so this guy is really evolving nicely he may not have the hundreds but 
Kohli, the test batter, is so much more evolved that he's actually able to grind out those almost air quotes, Pujara-like innings. Where, you know, uh, his strike rate was 20 for a lot of time. And then even when he got out, his strike rate was not even 30. So that's very rare to see for a person like Kohli. But he showed that application because, look, there are two approaches, contrasting approaches, right? The other one is what Pant did. So we must discuss Pant. Without that Pant 100, India would have probably lost the game yesterday already, right? Because probably look at look at the rest of the scorecard where the next highest score is 29. I mean, how yes. how big an innings is this? And, you know, there are all these uh, indexes that people plot. Uh, there are many cricketing sites which have these highly statistics-driven innings and top 10s and top 15s. Do you think this 100 that Pant made could enter one of those charts very near the top? For me? Yes. It, it, yes, it, it could. It could. And it, it, will, it will go down one of those um, glorious, doomed counterattacks. Ah, yes. The, the tragic, the tragic uh, of legend. That I can guarantee. Mm. But uh, if we were talking about Pants 100, uh, we also have to talk about how he brought it up. Yes. Because I found this very interesting. Mm. Um, he was on he was on ninety nine, I think, and um, Rabada was bowling, and he had still had two balls left in the over, mm. and Elga didn't bring the field up to um, yeah to 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 deny the single right. to keep Punt on strike because because at the other end. With Boomer. Number 11. And yes, the number 11. And, and the thing to do in this situation is you have the batsman on strike, the, the batter, the top seven batter on strike. Uh, you bring up the field, maybe the bowler will go for a boundary. Doesn't matter. But you make sure that you get a full over at the number 11 in the next over. And Elga didn't do that. Um, with two balls left, he still had uh, catchers out in the deep. And he didn't even bring the field up on the last ball of Rabada's over. When Pant was on 99. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. If I were to think about it that way, there were two balls left. Probably he thought, give Pant a single, give Rabada one ball at Bumrah, that's all he needs. Is that a thought process? <laughs> Might have been, yes, it might have been uh, the thinking, but I still found it interesting. And I listened to um, to the One World Sports Radio guys um, for the whole test, and oh yeah, me too. Yeah, they were they couldn't they couldn't understand what he was doing in the com box. They were going mad. You know what? I dare say it was one of those silly oversights from the captain, where. Or the yes. bowler even, where he Probably. just missed the fact that uh, the field was still up. Either he had miscounted the balls or he was thinking about whom to bring on next, blah, blah. And uh, it just happened that way, that you look at it and then boom. Yes. Oops, the field is still out. But yeah, never mind. Look, he got the 100 and it so transpired, Bumrah got out shortly after, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So... But I think the moment he crossed around 75-80, Pant was in complete thrash mode. I mean, 
he could have gotten out any time i don't think he cared about the 100 at all because there was an interesting conversation if you remember in the last over after he had hit his 100 the over that ended india's innings i think pun yes. said why should i go after the bowling let him come closer to me or something like this in hindi we don't hear what bumra said what we heard was what pun replied he said why should i it's fine let's wait it out so this is like a fantastic thing that how much this this youngster has matured now he has a 100 in south africa in england and australia and he's the first indian keeper to do that and he's not a bad keeper no um no. he shares he shares he shares the record mm-hmm. uh for most dismissals in a match by a keeper mm-hmm. let's let's not forget that you know it 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 is very easy that uh, people write him off as a you know like a brash guy you know for example the way he got out in the second test uh, drew a lot of flack and probably a little bit rightly so because he lives by the sword and dies by the sword but it was a two card trick wasn't it where rabada hit him and then just held one back knowing this guy is going to charge him and that exactly happened right but that's yeah. that's how he played almost the last one third of his entire innings in this in this 100 as well i mean we don't realize that often do we just that's how he is that's how he plays yes but it was a very mature innings i i thought because in the first half he he was really he wasn't scoring slowly mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. but um he was he was very very controlled he he didn't make any rash and any rash decisions or take unnecessary risks and when when coley got out it was just all right now i'm going to hit right but he still didn't 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 play any any rash t20 shots or something like that no no he didn't he never did that right it was it was a great innings mm. and it was a pity that innings could not win india the game but you know i just thought south africa batted consummately elgar started exactly the way he did in the second test got south africa exactly to a point where they were sort of already feeling comfortable you know 80 for 2 80 for 1 you're already in your mind you're okay it's one third more than one third of the target is already achieved and you feel comfortable about it and there again i think the makram has been continually failing we went through it at a lot of uh, detail in one of our previous episodes but do you think markram will yeah. get the sword then this time and he'll be dropped to go back to the domestic i don't know i don't know um the the problem with south africa uh, and and predicting any any squad changes i i, I don't do that no um they are a team in transition hmm. i don't know if they um decide that his experience is worth it worth keeping him giving him another another chance and I don't know if there is anyone in um in the domestic circuit that could realistically replace him. I don't know. Right, so right. right. Interesting. No, I mean Rasi could open, right? And uh, uh or even Keegan could oh, open. Oh, that's interesting. Right? And this give this guy a go at the uh, one one uh, half a domestic season. Just go hit some hundreds clear your head. you know get back to that wonderful yeah. touch that this guy has you know the touch that he brings to the game where he was a class act somehow he's i think a lot of self doubts have gotten into his head it's all in his head that's the way i look at it because uh, i think i think he can rediscover his uh, touch if he goes back to 
um the domestic cricket i dare say just bully a few bowlers around hit them all over the park get that confidence back and he's he's back in it right yeah now if you were to if you were to look at um, let's say what are the gains for india and what are the gains for south africa if you were to quickly enumerate them do you have any specific ones that you would like to highlight for india i think one of the positives for india is the bowling attack is solid anywhere in the world hmm hmm that's great right um for the south africans i mean it's 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 the same thing i would have said after india's australia series look we beat one of the best teams in the world and we didn't even have our first choice 11 available to do it but we still did it oh yeah look i'll be frank about it that series was a real real outlier <laughs> we keep talking about how well india did in australia but i thought that was an outlier it might never happen again something like that so crazy a series the way it ended it it might not but it's a it's a great morale boost you you beat one of the best teams in the world and you didn't even use your best 11 or you didn't have your best 11 available i think it it does a lot of good for the team culture and south africa really needs something good for the team culture right now with all the investigations and stuff going on i think that's great for them that's what i felt look for india the way they competed you almost forgot it was not a series played in india but in south africa right i mean because india kept just competing mm-hmm. every session every day of every test they were right there it was no team ran away with it but then looking at how one sided series can be especially test series played uh, in certain places it it's so much nice to see india were there every session so that's the real big positive and well their batters tend to let them down every now and then but that's another journey but what i see is india have kept on plugging all the gaps they've had and they don't have the results yet but the process that they run on is extremely strong and batsmen will find yes. their own process where they will also plug those holes and then they will continue to deliver a 300 in i dare say in one of those innings in either of those two those two tests would have sealed that game right it couldn't probably right they yes. couldn't now um for south africa i see look i see that as a positive despite of all the noise that's going on in the background somehow the team is able yes. to shut it off look they lost the first test convincingly um, and they were in trouble well into the second test but they found that belief in themselves i dare say we should give the credit where it's due to the skipper and the management right the way he managed those four bowlers yes and um kept the team morale going so i think that from time to time somebody in that south african group has something nice to say or something not so nice to say for example the way they came out to bat in the decisive day of test 2 and the way they bowled on day 3 in test 3 good god those those balls that pujara and rahane would have taken their heads off or their broken a few ribs or something like this right and they were lucky to just walk away having been dismissed that's how it looked like right at least the replays mm-hmm. the more number of times i saw the replays the better it got i'm sure and some of these players who were not always in the team for the right reasons have started contributing keegan peterson is the man of the series temba bavuma who never makes easy runs continued to make those hard runs starting from the first test lungi ingidi is yes. nicely maturing to the point where look 
after Janssen has come out, you would think Lunge Engedi became a holding bowler in that eleven. No, he is not. He continues to make those incisions. The way he dismissed, I think Kohli, right in the third day, that gave that that you know that opening back to South Africa where they continue to run through the wickets. That was Lunge's wicket, right? It was him. Yes. And then he took another one. If I'm not wrong, he's the one that also got it of Ashwin. Yes. So there you go. I mean, even Ashwin, 15-20 minutes of that guy can be dangerous. He has all the strokes when he's looking to play. He looks like a million dollars when those drives get going. He he couldn't, but that's another point. So in this case, he he could have given you those 20 runs, right? So this South African bowling with Marco Janssen, he's a perfect replacement. He looks like you know a slightly better version of Andre Nell, I dare say. Somebody who has that snarl, that bite. Can you imagine introducing Heinrik Norke into this quartet or quintet or oh. whatever? What would that be? What would that eleven be? Oh, um, to borrow to borrow um, a nickname for a team from baseball, it would be Murders Row. Precisely. I mean, you have Rabada, you have Lungi Engidi, you have Marco Janssen. I dare say, Duane Olivier may or may not play if. Henrik Norke comes back. You, you, it could be that again, that that all-conquering four-people quartet or five-people, six-people, you know, squad of fast bowlers, right? That's yeah, fantastic for South Africa. It is. So those for me were the real, uh, let's say, plus points. And South Africa very well deserved the series win, and they should go ahead and you know celebrate because they've beaten one of the <laughs> best teams around as well. Even though they played at home, they deserve this victory. They absolutely do. You know, before we move on, one thing to ask you: Did you see yes. Virat Kohli going and whispering air quotes something at the stumps when the DRS? Um, I I read I read about it. I read about <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> um, uh, cricket cricket Twitter. Um, at least my bubble of cricket Twitter um, was full of it, um, and it means basically uh, so. Coley, Coley said that Supersport were, um, well, um, balancing the scales in favor of South Africa with DRS stuff mm. like that, mm. which means he doesn't understand it. Right. Because, because it's not Supersport that does the, the, the Hawkeye stuff. That's proprietary uh, technology. Mm-hmm. Owned by Hawkeye. Right, right. <laughs> Look, uh, that's one thing. The other thing, I think he was just ranting. But it was funny. Hmm. But I think it was funny. Oh, yes, it was. It was. I mean, I dare say some of those words were not very parliamentary. And uh, I think he was just venting out a bit of frustration. And the broadcasters, he took aim at the yeah. broadcasters. You know, the grounds were empty. He had to vent at somebody. Yes. Some, right? But... What surprised me was he got away scot-free without any sort of a reprimand or that 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 was a bit weird for me. I, I expected at least some points or some match fee reduction or something. You know, you got to make an example. When you look at all the things, all those ongoing discussions with Marais Erasmus, very senior umpire, right? And you would not question the integrity of such a air quotes big person, right? And in the end, when you look at the DRS on every one of those dismissals, Mr. Erasmus's dismissals or the way he judged them was right. You would not have to completely discount the bounce on such a pitch. And they were all, on any given day, those were all, when referred to on any other pitch, 
you would not give them out either if that's was where the ball was hitting the stumps or that's how by how much the ball was missing the stumps look we can think of a lot of things to say but i would like to see conclusive proof that there was something going on with the way these replays were shown to the third umpire there was nothing going on but to your point about shutting down the stump mics mm-hmm. um australia got the stump mics shut down mm. um a few years ago during the sand paper series i think um but it was not anything to do with profanity and 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 sledging and stuff like that they got the stump mics shut down um by calling out their team sponsor Qantas Airlines that was not a sponsor of the series ah, interesting so the sponsor of the series said this is this is not going to fly um we, we can't have these people um plugging their sponsor on the feed more than um the patches on the jerseys that was the only reason so i don't know this is i think what's what's said to broadcast is basically meaningless unless it touches economic interests of course i think uh, you are right maybe there were some other uh, you know there are some other considerations there now moving on if you were to go to the awesome ashes well i think uh, the previous time we spoke in one of our previous episodes we had predicted a final to australia it was 3-0 it was looking all down and out as far as england were concerned were you surprised the way they fought back in scg to take a draw a bit a bit Hmm. Hmm. To be honest, but right. because because actually, I mean, it, it's now been more than ten years uh, since since England won a test in Australia, and um, the last one they drew was in the previous Ashes series down under uh, with um, Alistair Cook making a double. basically Alistair Cook drawing that test with a double ton England making some 500 for two or something <laughs> yes yes and um and the problem was that they looked they looked shot mentally the whole squad the team they looked shot um they dropped they dropped Rory Burns they are their second highest or a second best run maker um of the year i don't know it the ship was sinking and somehow <laughs> the angry ginger mm-hmm. righted it again <laughs> a bit <laughs> well one of them held it up the other one righted it yes right those two well i mean what an impact this guy ben stocks makes even if he can't bowl that 60 on the last day amazing innings right i mean he did not look comfortable it, this was not the ben stocks of vintage who could you know hit 130 in two sessions or whatever but he believed that he could just hold australia off he did and in the end you had uh, yes. uh, the bromley lara holding off his favorite uh, two overs to block to get a draw even stuart brought sure some no, no, they stayed out it's the burnley burnley lara not bromley oh not very far up but you're right <laughs> yeah um i think um 
this will will go down as uh, one of Jimmy Anderson's greatest betting exploits, along with Card of two thousand and nine. Right. I mean, come on. Uh, the man has a high score of eighty-two. No one knows when he did it, mm-hmm. but everybody knows Cardiff two thousand and two, and the SCG twenty twenty-two. Well, that's one thing. <laughs> and uh, also, how important was that hundred for Johnny Bairstow? I mean, does it mean he's resurrected his Test career? He's been sort of there or thereabouts. He scores these useful thirty-eights, forty-twos. Right. Apparently, he had not scored a hundred in a while, almost like two years plus calendar year, sixteen tests or so. But he's come back. He scored a hundred. He made sure England competed, and in the end, somehow they eked a draw, even though they were far enough behind. The question remains for me: If the light was good, do you think they would have gotten away with the draw? Probably not. Um, and I think they lost seven overs in the day's play, something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, no, wouldn't have happened. I dare say, if Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummins had been bowling those last four to five overs, probably the game would have been decisively finished in Australia's favour. So somehow, even yes. the conditions conspired, Absolutely. but England were there to make sure they took the draw. So they deserve the credit. Coming to the ongoing test, another pink ball test in Hobart, which is a bit of an unexpected thing, but I'm sure the fast bowling uh, lineup on both sides are happy. How good was this uh, Travis Head hundred, the counter-attacking one? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. And I mean, who would have who would have thought that Australia need actually need a counter attack mm-hmm. against against this England this England side? Um, I, I remember from the from the first two tests, I think, um, where England were bowling short. All the time, and Australia just uh, pulled a bit fuller and um, more English length, right. basically, um, and 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 always got them out. And and England, they were talking about it beforehand. You need to pitch it up, um, stuff like that. But once they get onto the field, it's oh, this is Australia. Here we bounce people out. And it was amazing to see them compete in this series. Because, okay, they drew the fourth test, but that wasn't really competing. It was more hanging on. Right, right, right. So that was amazing. Look, when it comes to uh, Travis Head, it was back-to-back, two days in a row where... A middle-order left-hander, Tyro, has gone after the bowling attack, succeeded, scored 100. And, uh, well, one remained 100 not out, the other 100 out. But uh, very, very, very interesting innings. And rather, both those sides needed it, and they delivered. Look, there was a lot of pressure on head. When you look at his innings, he was brought in to the squad where Marcus Harris was left out and Uzi Kwaja. I mean, you would not leave him out after back-to-back 100s in the Sydney test, right? And then, so he opened. Uh, and that means sort of head had to justify his spot in the 11. And he did that. He scored 100 yes. when his team needed it. You know, it could have been another 300 for three or whatever when he walked out. Instead, it was 12 for three. So it was also that much more interesting. And the England bowlers were bowling with their tails up. 
and even though there was no uh, saint jimmy as somebody asked on twitter why isn't saint jimmy playing on this village uh, green um stuart broad was sort of looking like stuart broad that comes out once a series or so who can uh, you know wrap the opposition up for 60 or 80 or one of those things in the context of this day's play how important was that ugly 44 that mr marnus made well um it's extremely important because marnus labuschagne is basically the steve smith uh, smith replacement now right. um smith smith has had some had some problems uh since the last ashes in england when jofra archer hit him and yeah and 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 labuschagne stepped up and said okay i can do the batting just as well just as ugly uh and also be a weirdo so he's he's the perfect smith replacement <laughs> look ashley have been carrying smith for a couple of series now right somehow as you say something went wrong there and uh, he has only one big score in the series so far as well and i'm sure there are people who are thinking about it look 18 months ago 12 months ago this was one of the best batsmen out there after that ban and his comeback at least he had a couple of series where he proved something but then since he sort of riding on that uh, he also knows he needs to come good i think because australia may very well see that he may deserve a rest air quotes and they may bring back somebody like marcus harris or somebody else who sort of making a run for it in the middle order right because head has owned that position number 5 number 6 he's been doing really well you can't see him being replaced usman khwaja will be given a couple more tests given how well he <coughs> did so then let's hope so right so and their fast bowling and they'll not tinker too much green is coming along nicely even though i i sent out a tweet today asking did he save his career probably a bit hasty that but you know nine tests 375 runs eight wickets or nine wickets doesn't look too good either you have to have at least a couple of 50s there a couple of solid 30s you know that shows you are going up the yeah. you know going up the maturity totem pole in this case that was the right sort of an innings for green as well that 74 i dare say i was thinking he's going to go on to 100 i did not expect him to be dismissed it was a bit against the run of play no i would say so but they, they were still scoring at 4 and over what do you predict for this test then the fifth test ping ball i think Australia will win it um because i just do not trust england's batting i don't trust them mm. <laughs> they have joe root joe root and i don't know one of the gingers remain the other one has been injured out stokes might still give you that nuggety 40 60 and if a couple more people like dan lawrence did a bit of a star turn in that second innings right uh, so even if they can score flashy 30s or 50s england would still at least match australia because the first thing is i see australia probably crossing 300 right carry will probably yeah. make some runs tomorrow and if nothing patrick cummins stark will hit out and they'll get to 300 somehow so there is a serious total on board with the ball swinging right and boland and yeah. stark and uh, they'll not be very easy to handle in those conditions but if you can eke out even a 50 60 run lead in that condition i dare say england might go on to win this it's a bit of an upset that draw was already an upset and the win would be a bigger upset no doubt but i somehow feel there may be a dead rubber syndrome in the australian minds um yeah yeah maybe maybe but only because um 
England drew the last test. Right. They were gunning for they were gunning for the whitewash. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now that the whitewash is off the table, yeah, now the fifth test for Australia, having retained the ashes, uh, might actually be a dead rubber. If England had lost that last test, this would not be a dead rubber to Australians. Definitely not. Well, I I dare say a couple of interesting days of test tickets still left in the series and probably a couple of Englishmen will want to do something. Olipop coming back into the squad and then um, uh, who's the one that's keeping now? Because uh, even Josh Butler had to be injured. Um, yes, uh, Billings, Sam Billings. Billings. So he can hit too. This guy can hit a bit, right? So if he's given a, even a 160 for four or five, he might come and give you that quick fire 40 and well, who knows? Yeah, so some things to look forward to because I thought Josh Butler was really, really down and out. He deserved a break because I dare say he doesn't deserve a place in the Test eleven anymore for England, Josh Butler. What do you say? I think he does. He's not as bad a keeper as people make him out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's also not a bad batsman by England standards mm-hmm. this year. I know it, it, it's, not, it's not saying much, um, but England have had a real, real problem with, with betting, not just in Australia, but in the whole year. Um, they lost to New Zealand at home. They lost to India, asterisk, mm-hmm. at home, and they got thrashed in the ashes um, because their betting failed. And... Joss Butler has been somewhere in the middle of their of their batting, mm-hmm. not just position-wise, but also um, average-wise. And I think he's he's not that bad. I think. But let, let's see what the England selectors think. I was more of a thought process. They were sort of running out with the patience they had for him. But uh, it it will be okay. I there are no that, England uh, selectors. <laughs> there's one. Yes, there's Chris Silverwood. <laughs> Look, it's going to be going down a rabbit hole. But uh, what's the point of having one man who's how you know we were so skeptical when Pakistan did it that the chief selector was also the head coach. And yes, you would think uh, Pakistan cricket setup would somehow survive it. How did England arrive at this decision? So it's a complete rabbit hole. I don't want to go into in today's episode. Something no, 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 no. One of those upcoming. Uh, it's not one of those upcoming uh, episodes. But now moving on, tell me about what you thought of Bangladesh's victory over New Zealand. Yes, first test. It was amazing. It was amazing. I'm in Hanover here in here in Germany. Um, so it's in a in a pretty bad time zone for me um, to watch it to follow it. Um, so as anyone does, I have my I have my phone on my nightstand when I sleep, and um, I use it as a as my alarm clock. And um, when I pick it up on the first day, it showed me okay. New Zealand, I don't know, 280 something for five. 
something like that. Uh, okay, New Zealand doing New Zealand things at home. The next morning, I woke up and it showed me here. Bangladesh, 180 or two. What's going on here? Checking quick info. New Zealand made 300 and something and Bangladesh are 175 for two on day two? What's going on? This is amazing. Right. So it was basically the whole test was me just, I woke up. First thing I do is pick up the phone, look at it, can't believe it. Have to check the whole scorecard, the full scorecard. And this is really, this was, this was amazing. Bangladesh winning in New Zealand. Ebert also saying, um, bowling New Zealand out. Amazing. Winning by eight wickets, not scraping by eight down or something like that. Winning by eight wickets. Amazing. Congratulations to the Tigers. I've been talking to a, to a friend who is in Bangladesh. Um, and um, we, have to, we have to make commemorative um, flags with uh, the Bangladesh Tiger in, uh, in the Bangladesh cricket board crest replaced by Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> That. Fantastic idea. Tell me if this friend of yours is Farang, whom we both know on Twitter. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> you know, I, I was so tempted to have him back uh, for one of these episodes as well, because frankly, we did a preview of the test series and we dismissed their chances. Look, bigger teams go to New Zealand and suffer proper humiliations. I, I shouldn't be using yes. the word bigger. I shouldn't be using the word bigger. Let's say more accomplished teams go there, right? Or more uh, teams with more wins go there. But this Bangladesh team okay. out of the blue go there with... Look at the fast bowler who took all those wickets in the first test. He had a he had a nightmarish average, like in the 80s, I think, before that test. Right? Something like that, yes. I mean, probably Chris Green has a better average and more uh, wickets per test than this guy. I mean... <laughs> The, the way those six wickets were taken, right? Ibadat, who, who would have thought? Amazing bowling, right? That's one thing. Yes. But also their batting deserves a whole lot of credit to outbat New Zealand in those conditions. New Zealand did not have a small total. But Bangladesh outbatted them in that, first of all, in the first innings. And that lead was crucial enough that there's, again, in the second innings, the fast bowlers were able to do the job for them, right? So, I don't know, yeah. just look at the first day, 328. Yeah, still, it's okay. What you correctly picked out was how Bangladesh batted out the second and the third days and how difficult it was. Yes. Right? And then, yeah, that, that, that spell, that spell from Taskeen, right? And my God, what a spell that was. Amazing, amazing spell because his, his wickets were as crucial because he took out in the second innings the skipper of New Zealand, Tom Latham. Yes. Right. And then Ravindra Chindra, who sort of looked set, somehow something could something could happen there. Right. So these were the two wickets that he took that were important. But then it was all Ibadat, right? From that point on, 
Devon Conway was dismissed. And then Ross Taylor did his bit. Somehow on the heading into the fourth day, I was hoping Ross Taylor and Rachin Ravindra would give them a 100-run cushion. And then, you know, 150 probably, their fast bowling unit could have defended it. But then, no, nothing, nothing, no such miracles there. And Bangladesh were deservedly the victors. Wonderful, wonderful effort. You know, I don't care what happened in the second test thereafter. Because New Zealand were going to come back. They were not going to let somebody like Ross Taylor simply go into, a, go into the sunset no. with a lost series, right? No, no. And what a, what a, what a, what a farewell from Ross Taylor. Um, taking his third test wicket to end the match and his career. Amazing. One of those fairy tale finishes, eh? You would want maybe yes to hit a six and finish, or take a wicket and finish. Why not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He 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 ended the match. He he sealed sealed the victory for New Zealand. Thank you very much. It's been a ride. Mm-hmm. Nice, really, really, really nice. I think that was good. That was good. So you know, it was overall one of the most productive seasons if you are a test match fan because of the quality of test cricket that's been on offer in these last let's say four weeks i mean i think i'm good until yeah. the english summer almost <laughs> the amount of good cricket we've gotten to see what about you well if i say i'm good now until the english summer i will regret that <laughs> statement two weeks from now <laughs> I will. well my friend, sometimes... Let's be honest. <laughs> you have to, no matter how much you're addicted to something, you'll have to, you know, portion it out. Go through the tough times. Yeah, yeah. But if you're addicted to something, you never do. <laughs> well, never mind. You're, you're, it's, it's, you're preaching to the choir here, right? Give me one week. You're saying to me, I'm going to go clamoring. Where is the next test match? When is this? When is yeah. this? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, now, uh, going back to some of the other news. So, there's this Ireland and West Indies ODI series. So, you know, West Indies played uh, good cricket to take the first one. Because Ireland, I think they looked really set to take the first one day one day as well. And somehow, a, la- a bit of inexperience caught them by, I would say. Skipper Balbirni was batting well. Right? Harry Tector was going good. Somehow, something something just about went wrong. And they lost the first ODI narrowly. I dare say, in the end, the margin was big, but it happened. The damage happened between overs, say, 32 and 38 or so, and then they couldn't recover, and they lost that game because they were on track to win that one. But the second one, they have gone on to win. Were you able to catch either of these ODIs or maybe both of those? Um, I, I just I just um, saw saw um, some highlights and, um, and the scorecards. So I I I don't have to um, have that much to say about them. I'm afraid because right. I well I caught the highlights of the second game and I was able to watch parts of the first game. Right, and it was fairly good cricket. And I think West Indies have a big problem when it comes to their mid lowers batting in the one days. They have good hitters at the top. They have good finishers. Right, but they somehow run mm-hmm. out of ideas if one of those top order batters don't bat through. Like, uh, I think um, Roston Chase, he looks stuck in the one-day mode. He looks like he's playing a test match, right? It's almost as if he's just uh, killing out the overs and uh, at least in the second ODA, he really looked 
all at sea right he was not able to score at any pace this guy has a lot of talent i really hope he can rediscover his mojo because at least as far as the rest of the middle order goes shy hope is not doing much well he bats near the top of the order these days i must be frank about it but um you know you would expect roston chase shy hope these people to man the middle order right on the other hand shamar brooks who's come into the 11 showed very good judgment and in fact his innings was the one that won the first game they could have easily lost the first game west indies right yeah. but then uh, he had to do more uh, because nobody around him was supporting him the lower order right you have a couple of hitters and they always finish strong one of one or the other comes good the skipper comes good or somebody else but in the end it doesn't always prove good if you want to really compete you know where 300 is the par score most days in odis and you cannot get away by even scoring 260 it will be a walk walk away victory for the opposition so that's something the west indian board and the west indian you know selectors will probably look to address how to get the balance going right give the right people the right places to bat and get them get them to score those runs because you cannot be 180 at the end of 37 36 overs and then look at your bigger hitters to get you those t20 runs in the last 15 right it it might not always work i mean they're sort of stuck playing one dayers yeah from i think 15 years ago that brand of one day probably yes probably if you were to look at um, the rest of uh, india's tour for south africa well rahul has been appointed skipper indian selectors probably going yes. for uh, the next cab of the rank probably the next guy to pro- who can be a all format skipper for india do you think rahul or at least that's how the selectors spoke but what are your thoughts on this <clears throat> he's he's not a bad choice um i think more importantly they made made bumra his vice captain and i think that's a really interesting why i would ask then i would say how do you see it going forward i think um because um rowit is actually getting old uh-huh a bit mm-hmm. i mean he's he's 33 mm-hmm. 34 right um no i i think i think Umrah is an interesting choice as vice captain because it means he he might actually captain some games and I think um, he's a very keen cricket brain. He he's he's an interesting choice, especially as an India skipper because we don't do fast bowling captains in cricket except for Pat Cummins. at the moment <laughs> we don't do that right and a fast bowler to captain india is pretty bold and i'm pretty sure it will pay off i think it's a very very good choice because um the way he sets fields and um executes plans he's pretty good and in the absence of um, of rohit i think kl is a is a fine choice as captain and uh, when it goes to well i'm really disappointed for washington he somehow seems to not get to play because he's so promising and i'm sure he's doing all the things behind the scenes somehow at the nth minute something happens he's injured he gets covid he's missing the series as well uh, so they've brought in jayant as his cover yes well yeah it's what can you say i mean i mean it's it's tough um, but i also like saini very much 
real pace. Mm -hmm. So I think the team will not suffer because they had to uh, to bring in two new guys as cover. I don't think the team would suffer, and the results will not suffer. I think um, they are they are more than more than worthy replacements. Um, I think on the um, on a personal level, of course, it's of course it's 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 hard to see that happen to people. But I think, or I guess, it's inevitable in these times. You know, pretty much like what they said for uh, Cummins. He's a young guy, and yeah. May may yeah. all the days of cricket he misses happen at the near the beginning of his career, and uh, may he get to have a long and a prosperous career once he turns twenty four or twenty five or even uh, you know. Yeah, at least Washington's a spinner, right? Love, <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, who knows? Also, a potential captain of Indian cricket in maybe a decade's time or so. We'll see. We'll see what things are. Uh, yeah, back, yeah, right? yeah, that would be interesting, right. wouldn't it? Of course. Now, I, after Panth, maybe I see him as a potential captain, right? But we'll see. We'll see how these things go. Now, looking at some other interesting news, Mr. Ramiz Raja, former captain of Pakistan, very decorated commentator in air quotes, and uh, he's uh, now the <laughs> PCB chairman, and he's uh, come out to say uh, yes, he's going to propose to the ICC a four-team. Quadrangular T20 series, which can be held every year or every two years. What are your thoughts on this? Will this fly? Um, no, <laughs> it's a good idea, but it will it will it will not fly. Um, I read the article um, on Crick Info, and um, he says in that that bilateral T20 series have become stale, and I wholeheartedly agree with him in that. Um, the problem is what he proposes um, involves Pakistan playing India in this tri uh, quadrangular series. Um, and that will not fly for political reasons. I don't think it's the boards because India-Pakistan matches are a license to print money and boards like money. So it will not fly because um, even if the ICC would be able to set this up under the ICC banner, and that's a big if, I don't think um, politicians will let it happen or, or would let it happen. I don't think so. He's, he's completely right in that bilateral T20 series don't matter. We should stop playing them for the full members, not for the associates, obviously, but for the full members, we should stop playing them. We should play one or two quadrangular or whatever tournaments once or twice a year. I'm fine with that. Can all other bilateral T20Is. I'm sorry. I don't think it will fly. Okay, let's see how it pans out. But I have a feeling you might be right. Yeah. Now, that leaves us one last piece of news to have a quick chat about. Well, did you see Banuka Rajapaksa, the Sri Lankan player, who sort of yes. fledgling career? He suddenly decided to retire out of nowhere. We all thought 
he might be heading to the US to play the you know MLC or something the MLC cricket that they have started minor league cricket and then um, well he seemed to have rescinded his international retirement so maybe it could be uh, that he faced some issues with NOCs or maybe he was looking at a longer term decision like many players out there have taken unmukh chand other people in the subcontinent right and uh, it's not a it's not a less attractive proposition to go stay in america play cricket and sort of naturalize slowly right so apparently he's reconsidered it and uh, he's taken it back 48 hours 72 hours into the future so mm. well i mean look he is a very talented player from what we have what little we have seen of him and i wish him all the best yes and uh, you know sri lanka who are going through a real sort of a long term uh, metamorphosis we don't know how sri lankan cricket will emerge out of this but we really hope you know um, they 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 emerge a very strong unit because they have this indigenous and um, very unique talent system that does not take away players uh, quirks but sort of encourages them and thereby they really get good and they become world beaters you have enough examples i'll not go into that and i dare say this guy could be one of those and we you know they they still have an international cricketer who can bowl with both hands probably not seen in international cricket yes. in i don't know 10 decades 100 years but coming the mendes is there so they have these really special players and we really hope you know they turn the corner and they start they start getting the results they want they've always competed they also want to get the results they want those were all the cricketing news that we want to discuss for this episode thanks once again clear for joining us as always a pleasure chatting with you it was my pleasure thank you very much for having me would you like to remind our listeners how they can uh, get a hold of you to talk about cricket and other things um yes you can get a hold of me um by um following me on twitter at linux lia l i n u x l e a the l's are capitalized that's basically the best uh option if you want to contact me all right thanks a lot and uh, we wish to have your company again shortly it would be my pleasure <laughs> thanks a lot and we wish all our viewers a good day wherever they are listening from bye 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 this is the armchair cricket podcast